Has Mike Pence lost his mind? And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. Mike Pence is flat out wrong. The FBI is hopelessly corrupt and beyond redemption. Today we present part two of our deep dive into the FBI's history of dishonest dealings. We continue to prove once and for all that the FBI must be dismantled. On this edition of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 222 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented an unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that will live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Mike Davis, former clerk for Justice Gorsuch, and former vetter of federal judges for Senator Grassley when he was chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, is scheduled to be my guest Thursday at noon Eastern, 11 Central. He'll be giving us his incisive legal analysis of the FBI's outrageous illegal unconstitutional raid on former President Trump's home, and I will also be asking him for advice on how we might best try to get our country out of this mess. So that's Mike Davis on the Doc, Doc Washburn Show, Thursday, August 25th, noon Eastern, 11 Central. Don't miss it. All right, let's, uh, let, let's, let's check this out again. I also want to remind my fellow Republicans, we can hold the Attorney General accountable for the decision that he made without attacking the rank-and-file law enforcement personnel at the FBI. The Republican Party is the party of law and order. Our party stands with the men and women who serve on the thin blue line at the federal and state and local level. And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. You're wrong. Listen to me. First Amendment, United States Constitution. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press 
or of the right of the people peacefully to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Vice President Pence, we have grievances that need to be redressed. I mean, what's your problem, pal? How is it that you are so completely sold out to the jackbooted thugs that raided the private home of a former president, your former boss, before you stabbed him in the back on January 6, 2021? I'll call you out every day of the week and twice on Sunday. The FBI does not respect our, does not deserve our respect, and you certainly don't deserve our respect. Not a chance. All right, let's continue our deep dive. Let's continue our deep dive into the horrible history of the FBI. From the UK Guardian, April 21st, 2015, an article entitled 30 Years in Jail for a Single Hair, the FBI's Mass Disaster of False Conviction. Have you heard about this? Subtitle, A Dirty Bomb of Pseudoscience Wrapped Up Nearly 268 Cases, Perhaps Hundreds More, Now Begins the Herculean Effort to Right the Wrongs. Right the Wrongs? FBI, what y'all been up to? George Perot has spent almost 30 years in prison thanks to a single hair. It was discovered by an FBI agent on the bedsheet of a 78-year-old woman who had been raped by a burglar in her home in Springfield, Massachusetts in 1985. George Perot, then 17 years old, was put on trial despite the absence of physical evidence tying him to the crime scene. There was no semen. There was no blood. And so there was no way to conduct a conclusive DNA test. Even the victim testified that the defendant looked nothing like her attacker. He had a short haircut and was clean-shaven, while George Perot had long, shaggy hair, a mustache, and a goatee beard. But there was that strand of hair. At a key stage in the 1992 rape and burglary trial, well, seven years later, huh? an FBI agent named Wayne Oakes took the witness stand describing himself to the jury as an expert, an expert in hair and textile fibers. As with so many of the FBI's trial witnesses in condemning hundreds of people to long prison sentences, Individual head or pubic hairs were distinctive, he told the court, to the extent that a well-trained specialist like himself could tell those belonging to one person from another. 
FBI agent Wayne Oakes went on to bombard the jury with scientific jargon, referring to the medulla, the cortex, and the cuticle of the hair, likening the task of comparing individual strands to recognizing, to recognizing a specific person in a crowd. The self-proclaimed expert bragged, in 10 years, it's extremely rare. I will have known hair samples from two different people I can't tell apart. The FBI agent's conclusions in front of the jury were emphatic. The hair found on the sheet exhibits all the same microscopic hair arranged in the same way as the characteristics present in the known hair from Perot. I conclude that the hair was consistent with coming from the defendant, he told the court. That testimony, based on a single hair, was so strong, so wrapped in the certainties of science that it wiped out all doubts and inconsistencies in the prosecution's case. Indeed, it eviscerated the presumption of innocence. There was only one problem. The expert analysis delivered by Wayne Oakes under oath and effective enough to obliterate one-third of a man's life and counting was wrong. In July 2013, the FBI admitted that the foundations of what it called hair comparison evidence, a technique that its agents had used in hundreds of criminal cases nationwide, and spread through the training of state-based detectives, potentially through tens of thousands of other cases, were scientifically invalid. A preliminary review of the FBI's follicular flaws found that microscopic hair analysis could not scientifically distinguish one individual to the exclusion of all others. Statistical weight could not be given to comparisons to suggest a likelihood that the hair derived from a specific source. Expert witnesses should not cite the number of hair analyses they had conducted in the lab to bolster the idea that they could definitively state that hair belonged to a specific individual. All three errors were made by FBI agent Oakes in front of George Perot's jury over the past few years. Advanced understanding in the science of hair types has left hair analysis as a forensic tool in tatters. Today's consensus by real experts is more straightforward than ever. There is nothing that can credibly be said by FBI-approved analysts or anyone else about the frequency with which particular characteristics of hair are distributed in the human population. In other words... Microscopic analysis of hair, the very analysis that put George Perot and so many other people like him behind bars, is virtually worthless as a method of identifying someone. It can only safely be used to rule out a suspect as a source of crime scene materials or in combination with the vastly more accurate technique of DNA testing. As a scientific basis for hair analysis has crumbled... 
the scale of the judicial catastrophe caused by the FBI's enthusiastic use of it for decades until about the year 2000 has now begun to emerge more fully. Now, again, this was this was an article from Tuesday, April twenty fifth, April twenty first, twenty fifteen, and they're saying the day before this article came out, the FBI and the U.S. Justice Department, together with the Innocence Project and the National Association of Criminal Defense Attorneys released the findings of the first stage of a joint investigation into these historic civil rights mistakes. The results, first reported by the Washington Post, concluded that an astonishing 26 of the 28 FBI agents who had provided testimony as expert witnesses at trial based on microscopic hair analysis had made statements to juries that are now known to be false. Their erroneous evidence was found in at least 90% of the trial transcripts that the team had studied. The government has identified almost 3,000 cases in which FBI agents may have given testimony involving the now discredited technique. So far, only about 500 of those cases have been reviewed. Some 268 of those involved FBI examiners providing expert evidence in court that pointed to the guilt of the defendant, of which 257, or 96%, included false testimony. Most shockingly, at least 35 defendants received the death penalty, 33 of which were the subject of false FBI testimony. Nine of those prisoners were executed, and five died from other causes on death row. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, see, I got a real problem here. Because I have always been supportive of the death penalty. Because I believe in God's Word, the Bible, which says if you take a life, your life will be required of you. But now I'm seeing evidence that um, we've executed innocent men. Well, you can't be doing that. I'm reminded of a friend of mine uh, who was an attorney at the time. I think he's a former attorney now. Joe Churchwell out of Hot Springs, Arkansas. And uh, he said he could not support the death penalty because there was too much of a possibility of sending an innocent man to be executed. And I thought, oh, no, no, Joe, Joe. They're safeguards, buddy. You get all these appeals and everything, right? This is horrifying. According to this article about how FBI agents lied about... uh, this hair recognition pseudoscience, we executed innocent men in the United States of America. 
yeah, but go ahead. Go ahead, Mike Pence. Go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. Tell me how we shouldn't criticize the FBI. Go ahead, Mike Pence. Tell me how criticizing the FBI is the same as criticizing an honest local police officer. Just go ahead, pal. Yeah, keep keep trying to sell it because we're not buying it. This is outrageous. Chris Fabricant, the Innocence Project's director of strategic litigation, who is representing George Perot in his ongoing struggle for freedom. By the way, he did finally get out a few years later. Call the FBI's use of hair analysis a mass disaster for the criminal justice system. He told the UK Guardian <clears throat> We have potentially tens of thousands of convictions tainted by false evidence. It's going to take a Herculean effort to right the wrongs in this in these cases, and so we have made only a tiny start. In a paper published back in 2013 when this article was written and written with William Tucker Carrington of the University of Mississippi Law School, Chris Fabricant of the Innocence Project traces the first reported use of hair analysis in 1855 when John Browning and his son Gaston were tried for murdering a plantation overseer. Hairs were found on a rope in the defendant's home, which were compared to the Browning's hair and found to be identical. The pseudoscience deployed in 1855 changed little in over a century. What did change was that after the Second World War, the FBI embraced the technique, giving it a professional veneer, a government stamp of approval, if you will. Fabricant of the Innocence Project said they began presenting false evidence to juries based on scientific language that was very impressive to juries. It was like a dirty bomb that went off in the criminal justice system. Hair analysis was said to be objective, unbiased, and definitive. So it was both very prejudicial against defendants and very powerful. Wow. Now, despite the FBI's unqualified admission of error, as of the writing of this article in 2013, George Perot remained in prison with no immediate resolution in his case in sight. Yeah, he didn't get out till 2017. After what? Um, 25 years in prison? says the Commonwealth of Massachusetts continues to oppose a retrial with a hearing scheduled for late summer 2013. Fabricant said he's particularly anxious about the future for potentially thousands of people convicted for serious crimes such as murder and rape on the basis of false evidence given by detectives at state level, nearly all of whom were trained by the FBI in microscopic hair analysis. The federal agency has admitted its mistakes and is now working hard to address the miscarriages of justice on a national level, but state authorities are proving much more sluggish in their responses. Typical is the case of Timothy Bridges, who in 2013 was 23 years into his sentence in North Carolina. He was convicted of the 1989 sexual assault and beating of an elderly woman in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's the town I grew up in. 
The criminal investigation uncovered no physical evidence of any sort to link Timothy Bridges to the scene like George Perot. No semen, no fingerprints are found, no blood, no DNA of any sort. But there were two hairs collected at the victim's home and analyzed by an examiner for the state of North Carolina who had been trained by the FBI in precisely the same now discredited techniques. The two hairs the examiner told the jury at trial had likely originated with the defendant. So Bridges was sentenced to life in prison. In April 2013, when this article was written, lawyers acting for Bridges, with the backing of the Innocence Project, petitioned the county county court of Mecklenburg, North Carolina, where Charlotte is, calling for a retrial. The state attorney general opposed such a measure, but did initiate a search for the hairs and hopes that DNA testing could be carried out that would provide reliable clues. Previously, the state had indicated that the hairs had been destroyed in violation of North Carolina law. See, that's the problem. There you go. And I go back again to my friend Joe Churchwell, former attorney in Arkansas. So they destroyed the hairs in violation of North Carolina law. Something I learned from Brother Churchwell is that uh, governments pass laws all the time about what they, the governments, can and cannot do. What is against the law? But he said if the government breaks the law that the government passed itself, then what is the remedy? In other words, governments pass laws all the time, state governments and national government, U.S. federal government, dictating what they themselves, the government, can and cannot do. But what is the remedy if the government breaks its own law? And all too often there isn't one. May I give you an example? Do you remember the mass shooting at the Sutherland Springs Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, Texas, a few years ago where a guy killed like 25 or 26 people in a, in a small church. He killed about half the church. He would have killed the rest of them, except the next-door neighbor heard the shooting and ran over and started shooting at the shooter. So it saved the lives of about half the people in the church. Well, come to find out, the mass shooter had driven a long way to Sutherland Springs, Texas, to shoot people at Sutherland Springs Baptist Church because his former in-laws attended the church. Now, they weren't there that Sunday. But also come to find out that the guy had been given a dishonorable discharge from the United States Air Force for spousal abuse. He even spent some time in the brig before they drummed him out of the service. And come to find out, there was a law on the books that if you were drummed out of the service for domestic abuse, domestic violence, then your branch of the service had to report you to the NICS system, the um, background check system 
run by the FBI, the National Background Check System. And come to find out for 20 years, the U.S. Air, the US Air Force did not comply with that law. So then, a bunch of people were killed in Sutherland Springs Baptist Church, Sutherland Springs, Texas, when a guy went in there and started shooting. So, so who gets held criminally liable for the Air Force breaking the law that Congress passed and not reporting this guy so he was able to legally buy guns because he didn't turn up on the federal background check? Who gets held responsible? Who gets held accountable? Nobody. Nobody. Because ordinarily, ordinarily, when uh, the government passes the law about what the government must and must not do, there's no criminal penalty in there if they disobey their own law. I mean, you know, who, who are you going to bring up in charges? Who are you going to send to jail? Secretary of the Air Force? That's not the way it works. So anyway, I'm, um, I'm getting way off the topic here. Previously, the state had indicated that the hairs had been destroyed in violation of North Carolina law. Fabricant of the Innocence Project, who's also acting on the Bridges case, said the states where examiners had been trained by the, trained by the FBI in hair analysis had to act. He said tens of thousands of people may have been caught in this trap when even the FBI has admitted liability than states who were trained to use this discredited technique are now legally and morally obligated to step up to the plate. But but Mike Pence now, Mike Pence, about the FBI, he wants you to ignore their history. And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. Really? Really? Well, I've got a... I got an American horror story from just last year. And guess who the monsters in the horror story are? Give you three guesses. The first two don't count. The monsters in the horror story are the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Now, I'm not letting Mike Pence get away with this. He already got away with uh, helping the bad guys steal the election in 2020. He's not getting away with this. 
So that's what's up next. In the meantime, thank you so much to our advertisers, our friends, for making it possible for us to do the Doc Washburn Show five times a week. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else, Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401K or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501 503-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Thanks again, Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones and Mitch Ward at RedRiverYourWay.com. We really appreciate you guys for being our friends and being our advertisers. Thanks so much. All right, now, also thank you to Julie Kelly over at American Greatness 
for sharing with us the horrors. We need to get the word out that this idea that it's just the top honchos of the FBI. Yeah, they're the ones. No, no, not the local guys. They're all great. Let's check this out. Julie Kelly, an article called An American Horror Story, which she dropped September 23rd, 2021. She said, Thomas Caldwell's wife awakened him in a panic at 5.30 a.m. on January 19th, 2021. Sharon Caldwell told her husband, the FBI is at the door and I'm not kidding. Caldwell, 66, clad only in his underwear, went to see what was happening outside his Virginia farm. Caldwell told me during a lengthy phone interview on September 21st, There was a full SWAT team, armored vehicles with a battering ram, and people screaming at me. People who looked like stormtroopers were pointing M4 weapons at me, covering me with red laser dots. Agents demanded that Caldwell, a former lieutenant commander of the United States Navy, who suffers from debilitating service-related spinal injuries, come outside and lie down on the grass. Okay. Virginia, in the middle of January. Caldwell said, Someone grabbed my legs and dragged me through the grass. They threw me face down on the hood of the car, kicked my legs apart, put a chain around my waist, and put me in handcuffs. He said he looked up to see Sharon, his wife of 22 years, dressed in her nightgown, holding her hands up with a sock in either hand. She, too, was covered in red dots from the weapons aimed at her. 61-year-old Sharon begged to put on her socks before they forced her outside into the cold. Caldwell said through sobs, I said a prayer, Father, please don't let them kill my wife. Baldwell was forced into the back of a police car for nearly 40 minutes. He asked several times what he was being charged with, but FBI agents refused to answer him. Eventually, Caldwell was led back toward his house. He said, I have a collector 63 Thunderbird in my garage as a reminder of my grandfather, a retired Army colonel. An agent kicked one of the doors open and was leaning with his battle gear up against the car, scratching it up. Once inside, Caldwell saw that his wife was still alive. He was interrogated for at least two hours and eventually realized the raid was tied to his participation in the January 6th protests in Washington, D.C. Agents read what he called a version of his Miranda rights. He consented to the interview without an attorney present. Caldwell told me something I've heard 
repeatedly from January 6th defendants as to why they easily cooperated with the FBI. Quote, I didn't have anything to hide, unquote. Roughly 20 agents raided the Caldwell home, taking every electronic device, including old computers and hard drives. This included Caldwell's downloaded copies of cherished pictures. He said they took every family photo we have. Agents then transported Caldwell to the Central Virginia Regional Jail in Orange, Virginia, two hours from their home. He thought he would be booked and released. Instead, it was just the start of what he called an American horror story. During his bond hearing later that day, Caldwell finally learned he had been charged with six federal crimes related to January 6th. Judge Joel Hopp explained to Caldwell, the affidavit alleges you were a member of a paramilitary organization called the Oath Keepers and that there are several other people who are also charged. The Justice Department accused Caldwell and two Oath Keepers, Donovan Crowell and Jessica Watkins, of plotting to attack the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. The government's criminal complaint read, Records obtained from Facebook indicate that Caldwell was involved in planning and coordinating the January 6th breach of the U.S. Capitol in which Watkins, Crowell, and other Oath Keeper militia members participated. Prosecutors claimed Caldwell had a leadership role within the Oath Keepers. The lead prosecutor at Caldwell's January 9th hearing argued he should remain behind bars That's right, Assistant U.S. Attorney Christopher Kavanaugh said, the nature of the offense is very much directed at the fabric of our democracy. The attempt of insurrection and to overthrow what was occurring on January 6th? These events threatened the safety of members, the staff, the police. Five people died, including one Capitol Police officer. Oh, that's not true. Now, Caldwell never entered the Capitol building and has no criminal record and honorably served his country for 20 years in the military. But Judge Hopp, oh, he agreed with the government to keep him behind bars. Judge Hopp said, the conduct and the statements of Mr. Caldwell, it really just is pure lawlessness and contempt for laws of this country, referring to some of Caldwell's Facebook posts and texts. So Caldwell spent 53 days in jail, 49 of them in solitary confinement. He could not access his medication to relieve excruciating back pain caused by spinal injuries he suffered while serving in the Navy. When prison guards asked him why he was incarcerated, he said, I'm a political prisoner because of January 6th. In prison, Caldwell said he suffered sadistic brutality by some correctional officers, and there was warmth and compassion, the latter by other employees and every single inmate. 
He said that his faith and the love of his wife sustained him. He said, I thought I would die in jail. Caldwell also found a new attorney, David W. Fisher, to take his case. Now, Fisher immediately filed a motion to release his client, slamming the Justice Department for its initial allegations. His motion said in less than a month, the government's theory as to Caldwell's role in the claimed conspiracy has morphed from him being the commander of Oath Keepers who presumably led the attack on the east side of the Capitol to being a guy associated with the Oath Keepers. Caldwell's stellar background and military career was unintentionally slandered by the government's sloppy, rushed investigation. As the court knows, the government typically takes months and even years to build cases, painstakingly gathering and evaluating evidence and interviewing witnesses. By contrast, in this case, the government charged a 20-year decorated Navy veteran with no prior record based on a few hours of investigation without giving him the courtesy of an interview. Authorities did virtually no investigation before branding Caldwell a felon and have provided multiple inaccurate statements to the court. So Caldwell finally went home in March of 2021 and he remains on home detention with limited ability to leave his farm. Even though he's a central figure in the Justice Department's shaky conspiracy case against the Oath Keepers, Caldwell said he never joined the group. He was approached by Stuart Rhodes. Oh, I know that name. During a post-election rally in Virginia, Rhodes told Caldwell he did security for conservatives and asked Caldwell if he would ever volunteer to help. He gave Rhodes his contact information. Caldwell communicated with some Oath Keepers prior to January 6th, discussing travel plans and hotel arrangements. Twenty Oath Keepers have been charged with various crimes, none faced an assault or weapons offense. Three have been in jail since last winter under pretrial detention orders. Judge Amit Mehta refuses to release the three detainees and just move their trial day from January 2022 to April 2022. Stuart Rhodes, curiously, has not been charged, though he is person number one in the indictments. Darren Beatty over at Revolver News has a few investigative reports on Stuart Rhodes and the Oath Keeper's case. Even more curious is how the FBI quickly identified Caldwell, accessed his social media posts, and other contacts, other contacts, sought a warrant and arrested him less than two weeks after the protest when he never even entered the building and committed no serious crime. Julie Kelly says, I asked Caldwell what he thought about the fact the founder of Oath Keepers and lead unindicted co-conspirator in the government's biggest January 6th case hadn't even been charged. He said, I'm as curious as anyone on the outside looking in. For now, the Caldwells are trying to resume a normal life as they await a trial that won't begin until mid-2022 at the earliest. Unlike many January 6th defendants, the Caldwells have received an outpouring of support from their friends and community. Unlike many other January 6th defendants, 
Caldwell said, we believe the truth will prevail. I have great faith in the American people. Sharon Caldwell was more direct. She said, we won't let the bad guys win. So Julie Kelly finishes her article there, September 23, 2021, an American horror story, by saying, well, let's hope. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you are aware of what the FBI did to a lot of young women who are Olympic athletes, Olympic um, gymnasts. Are you aware? Do you know what the FBI did to these young women? Because, see, uh, I don't I don't have time for this nonsense anymore. And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. Shut your lying mouth. Shut your lying mouth. Next, we're going to talk about what the FBI did to young women who were Olympic gymnasts or perhaps more cogently, more importantly, what they refused to do. That's next. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system, and yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. All right, thank you so much to my doctors, Dr. J.R. Crabtree and Dr. Tanya Crabtree, his wife. They're my doctors at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, and my friends, and my advertisers, and they have been so helpful to me and to my wife and to so many people that we know. Can't thank you enough. 
All right, let's uh, let's talk about the strange case of the FBI. Um, here's an article from June 8th of this year from the Washington Post. Gymnasts sue FBI for $1 billion over mishandling of Larry Nassar case. Check it out. A group of 90 women that include former U.S. Olympic team gymnasts Simone Biles, Michaela Maroney, and Allie Raisman filed a lawsuit against the FBI alleging it mishandled its investigation of former Team USA doctor Larry Nasser, allowing him to continue to sexually abuse them even after they had reported him to the FBI in 2015. The women are collectively seeking more than a billion dollars from the FBI in a lawsuit filed under the Federal Tort Claims Act, a 1946 law that makes the United States liable for injuries caused by the negligent or wrongful act or omission of any employee of the government while acting within the scope of his office or employment. They joined 13 others who in April filed a similar lawsuit against the FBI, citing a July report released by the Justice Department's Inspector General that found that the FBI failed to properly investigate serious, serious sex abuse allegations against Larry Nassar. Former Team USA gymnast Maggie Nichols said in a statement released by lawyers representing the group of women, the FBI knew that Larry Nassar was a danger to children when his abuse of me was first reported in September of 2015. For 421 days, they worked with USA Gymnastics and USOPC to hide this information from the public and allowed Nasser to continue molesting young women and girls. It is time for the FBI to be held accountable. Now, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with the US, with the FBI being held accountable. By the way, United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, that's what she meant by USOPC. I just think the FBI should be held accountable. Let's see what former Vice President Mike Pence who thinks he's going to run for president in a couple of years. Let's see what he would say about that. And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. No, the FBI is going to need a lot of funds if they uh, lose a $1 billion uh, lawsuit. You know where that money comes from? That comes from you and me. Because the federal government doesn't have any money other than the money that it gets from taxpayers. So where's the accountability for the FBI? You know, what if uh, what if we think these women 
who were abused by Larry Nasser and in turn abused by the FBI to help hide the abuse for 421 days. What if we think the women deserve the money? But we're sitting here thinking, why should we as taxpayers have to pay it? You know, how about raid the FBI pension fund? You know, how about, let's see, who was FBI director in 2015? Well, I guess that would have been James Comey. I mean, uh, James Comey is wealthy. I'm sure he doesn't have a billion dollars. But how about bankrupt James Comey and Strzok and McCabe and Baker and Priestap and all the rest of them? to pay for this lawsuit if indeed these young women do prevail. I don't think that the billion should just come out of the general fund, you know, or the Social Security lockbox, whatever Al Gore called it, you know. Because um, cause we didn't have anything to do with it. You know, I I think that the people at the FBI who conspired with USA um, Gymnastics and U.S. Olympics Committee to keep this on the down low, to keep it hush-hush, I think they're the ones that should pay. The FBI declined to comment, referring to FBI Director Christopher A. Ray's Remarks before the Senate Judiciary Committee made in September 2021. Justice Department report found that USA Gymnastics contacted the FBI's Indianapolis field office. Oh, it gets worse. In July 2015, about the allegations against Larry Nasser. But the FBI Indianapolis field office's inaction led USA Gymnastics to a, to again report Nasser in May 2016 to a Los Angeles FBI field office. That office put more work into an investigation, but took, took no action against Nasser. Okay, so whoever was in charge of the Indianapolis field office for the FBI in July 2015, whoever's in charge of the L.A. FBI field office in May 2016, those guys need to be bankrupted. Bankrupted. Prosecuted for uh, accessory after the fact to this serial rapist, right? Why is that not happening? Well, I don't know, Doc. Maybe for the same reason that... um Sent Glenn Maxwell to jail for bringing underage girls to a bunch of clients who weren't prosecuted either. Oh, okay. According to the report, Nasser victimized about 70 women and girls between the time when the FBI was first told of the allegations and when Michigan officials finally arrested him in the fall of 2016 on the basis of separate information. Oh, I see. Inspector General Michael Horowitz, remember him? 
He found that senior officials in the FBI Indianapolis field office failed to respond to the Nasser allegations with the utmost seriousness and urgency that they deserved and required, made numerous and fundamental errors when they did respond to them, and violated multiple FBI policies before attempting to blame others when confronted with their shortcomings. Okay, so how many of them have been prosecuted? I'm going to make a wild guess. Zip, zilch, nada. That's going to be my guess. After the Inspector General's report, which the FBI accepted, the agency issued multiple statements in which it called its actions inexcusable and a discredit to this organization and said that this should not have happened. Right, Mike? Right, Mike Pence? And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Shut up. However, the FBI announced late last month that the agents who mishandled the Nasser investigation would not be charged with a crime. Got it? Let's see. Late last month. The article is done in June, so uh, in late May. Nope, we're not going to charge them with a crime. Okay, great. Nothing to see here, folks. Everybody just move along. The FBI did fire one of the agents last September while the other retired during the Justice Department's investigation. Both were found to have lied about their roles in the Larry Nassar case to federal investigators. Really? So, um, and this, this, this is tough, man. So, Michaela Maroney, lovely name. A lovely young lady. All, all all these all these women are just they have a lot of poise, and, and not just you know as gymnasts, as as people trying to give statements about how they have been so badly wronged. In a statement, Kayla Maroney said, "My fellow survivors and I were betrayed by every institution that was supposed to protect us: the U.S. Olympic." Committee, USA Gymnastics, the FBI, and now the Department of Justice. I had some hope that they would keep their word and hold the FBI accountable after we poured out our hearts to the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee and begged for justice. It is clear that the only path to justice and healing is through the legal process. This is this is outrageous. So these FBI agents that just let it go on for 421 extra days, not even a slap on the wrist, right, Mike? And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Shut up. In a letter in early June to Attorney General Merrick Garland, United States Senator Roger Wicker, Republican of Mississippi, criticized the Justice Department's decision not to prosecute the special agents. Senator Wicker, I'm, I'm sorry to, to yell. I, I apologize. I'm, you know, they always say that uh, people don't like uh, listening to angry talk show hosts. Shouldn't raise your voice. I'm not sorry I lost my temper at Mike Pence. I'm just sorry that you had to put up with it. 
Anyway, Roger Wicker, Republican Senator Mississippi, ranking Republican of the Senate Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation, called the Justice Department's not to prosecute the special agents with the FBI egregious, adding that it severely calls into question the Department's justice judgment. He says, I'm particularly concerned this lack of accountability will further erode confidence in law enforcement among victims of sexual abuse, making it less likely abuse will be reported in the future. Wicker said the right of Olympic athletes to compete and train in an environment free from abuse of any kind is of the utmost importance. In this instance, young women, mostly minors, were sexually abused by an individual entrusted with their care and well-being. Wicker called on the Justice Department to brief the Commerce Committee on its review process and to respond to a series of questions by June 22nd. Well, they don't uh, they don't tend to respond in a timely fashion, so I would be surprised if they did. Gymnast sue the FBI for a billion dollars. How about that? It's just uh It's just outrageous to me. It really is outrageous to me. And there's no excuse for it. And there's no excuse for Mike Pence. There's no excuse for Mike Pence. All right, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Your Way, redriveryourway.com, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA, the police and freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online, have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States. Okay, our uh, tweet of the day, Eric Swalwell is kind of like the foundation of the tweet here. Well, no, actually, Ron DeSantis is. Ron DeSantis and then Eric Swalwell showing his ignorance, and then a guy uh, who goes by Defiant Baptist responding, and he'll be the tweet of the day. Okay, so all right, let me, um, let me first see if I can get Ron DeSantis going here because... He's what kicked off the uh, the tweet of the day. And then we'll go back to more about why the FBI must be defunded no matter what the egregious Mike Pence says. Okay, Governor Ron DeSantis, here he is. I'll tell you, we, there's maybe no issue that we've led more strongly on in drawing a big fat line in the sand to say that the people of Florida believe that the purpose of our school system should be to educate our kids, not to indoctrinate our kids. And to that end, we've done things like ban critical race theory in our K-12 through schools. We're not going to teach kids to hate our country or to hate each other. We're going to teach real history. We're going to teach them the truth. We're not going to let them impose their ideological agenda on our youth. We've also established a big initiative to promote American civics in our schools. We, 
We have a responsibility to make sure that the students that come out of our school system understand what it means to be an American. They need to understand that our rights come from God, not from the government. All right, fantastic. Good job, Ron DeSantis. Then Eric Swalwell says it's not like separation of church and state is in the Bill of Rights or anything. And so Defiant Baptist responds to him, tell me you've never read the Bill of Rights without telling me you've never read the Bill of Rights. Okay? Because separation of church and state is not in the Bill of Rights. It is absolutely, positively not in the Bill of Rights. No, 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 I, I can I can tell you what is. Oh, I, I can tell you exactly what is. Because the First Amendment Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So where uh, where is your separation of church and state in there? It's not. It's absolutely, positively not in there. But... Eric Swalwell is not, I repeat, is not a very sharp guy. So you got that going on. All right. Let me go to Jonathan S. Tobin over the Federalist.com. Article entitled, Mike Pence is Wrong, DOJ and FBI Rot Spreads Way Deeper Than Garland. Subtitled the article, the former Veep is still trying to sound reasonable by saying the GOP shouldn't criticize the FBI, but the Bureau is saturated with political bias that must be expunged. Okay. And it says when he when it comes to the way the deep state regime is at war with Republicans, former Vice President Mike Pence's number one priority is showing that his main concern is to keep playing the good cop to the bad cop of former President Trump. Speaking in New Hampshire last week, Mike Pence characteristically tried to have it both ways over this unprecedented attack on norms that the incident represented after vaguely calling for transparency. Pence said, and I quote, well, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just play it for you. Yeah, play the whole thing for you. I also want to remind my fellow Republicans we can hold the Attorney General accountable for the decision that he made without attacking the rank-and-file law enforcement personnel at the FBI.
The Republican Party is the party of law and order. Our party stands with the men and women who serve on the thin blue line at the federal and state and local level. And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. The truth of the matter is, we need to get to the bottom of what happened. We need to let the facts play out. But more than anything else, the American people need to be reassured in the integrity of our justice system and the very appearance of a recurrence of politics playing a role in decisions at the Justice Department demands transparency as never before. And I will continue to call on the Attorney General and the Justice Department to make that information available to the American people and do so now. Now, you notice when he uh, said the calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police, nobody clapped. I mean, that was an applause line. He was expecting applause there. I'm surprised he didn't go all full Jeb Bush and said, please clap. Because that's that he paused waiting for the clap and it didn't come. Okay, back to the article over here. Jonathan S. Tobin, at the Federalist, he said, conservatives are justifiably venting outrage over the Banana Republic-style raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago home by FBI agents acting on the orders of Attorney General Merrick Garland. But the soft-spoken Pence thinks the priority is to reassure the administrative state that Republicans won't be unreasonable in the pushback against attempts to delegitimize opposition to the Biden administration. With the help of a friendly judge who hates the former president so much he had to recuse himself from a lawsuit between Trump and Hillary Clinton, FBI agents were allowed to go on what turned out to be an open-ended search for anything that might somehow be used by the Democrats to indict Trump on still unspecified bogus charges. This comes after the FBI's participation in a Russia collusion hoax that was nothing short of a soft coup attempt against Trump. Since their Russia ploy flopped, little has changed. In the last year and a half, the Bureau and the rest of the Department of Justice, have also been all in on Joe Biden and Merrick Garland's attempt to convince the country that the real threat to the homeland is domestic terrorism for white supremacists. In practice, it seems to be more about politics than terrorism. The government's actions seem to indicate their belief that Trump supporters, especially those that push back against their outrageous, politically biased approach to law enforcement, as well as parents who oppose critical race theory indoctrination in schools, ought to be the principal focus of law enforcement. That means the proper response to the Mar-a-Lago raid can't be to sit back and wait patiently for the DOJ and the FBI to make their case, as so many did during the three years of a Russia investigation that was based on manipulation, lies, and misconduct 
from within the federal bureaucracy. As a stream of DOJ Inspector General reports have shown misconduct and even malfeasance, as was the case with the Russia hoax, are not rare. But the Mar-a-Lago raid takes a critique of the FBI to a different level. It is unprecedented, not merely for the way it targets a former president and likely political opponent of the current administration. At best, it's the criminalization of a dubious dispute about records. At worst, it's a fishing expedition whose only purpose may be to search for non-existent proof of unspecified crimes relating to the Democrats' desire to criminalize skepticism about the 2020 election results and to falsely brand all Republicans as insurrectionists. That is what makes it the straw that broke the camel's back with respect to the FBI's credibility. Mike Pence claims it's possible to hold Garland accountable for his politicization of justice without a more broad-based critique of the work of the FBI. The latter, he said, would be a betrayal of the GOP's uh, the GOP's belief in law and order and compatible to the left's calls for defunding the police. The two issues are completely different since reimagining the FBI won't cause a crime wave but would instead allow the agency to return to fighting crime rather than fighting Biden's enemies. As the Russia hoax illustrated, in recent decades, the FBI has morphed into as much of a domestic spy agency as it is the vaunted organization dedicated to investigating cases that local police don't have the resources or training to solve. That's part of the reason why left-wingers, who in past generations were quick to identify the agency with J. Edgar Hoover's abuses, including spying on a host of non-criminal domestic figures and dissident groups, the left-wingers now love it. The hypocrisy here is as absurd as it is transparent. Tim Weiner, a former New York Times national security correspondent and author of A Critical History of the FBI, has been gleeful about the prospect of jailing Trump on a documents charge, but also tried to differentiate between J. Edgar Hoover's wiretapping of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the agencies treating the former president like an organized crime figure who needs to be taken down by any means necessary. According to Wiener, J. Edgar Hoover's actions were witch hunts, but agents browsing through Trump's records, well, that's an espionage investigation. Of course, the only real difference here is that Hoover spied on people the left liked while Merrick Garland's DOJ's lawless behavior is directed at the person they hate the most. That supposedly serious people on the left actually still think that Trump is a suspected foreign spy should signal to Republicans that what's going on here is a rerun of the Russian farce. We're seeing the same agency overreaches, leaks, and breathless reports in corporate media about the federal legal establishment finally getting the goods to lock Trump up. Now, 
in the face of this partisan hijacking of the DOJ and the FBI, tame complaints about Merrick Garland are not enough. Matter of fact, ultimately, no one in the Bureau or the DOJ was held accountable for the Russia hoax, something that undermined, perhaps fatally, confidence in the system. But for for the same agencies to lead the country down the same kind of conspiratorial rabbit hole against the same political target is beyond the pale. That's created the kind of threat to the republic that requires Republicans to treat this as an emergency. Rather than just another in a list of problematic actions by the Biden administration. This isn't about loyalty to Trump or whether Pence should have obeyed the president's request about him stopping the electoral college vote. Pence's compulsion to play the moderate conservative is not new. His betrayal of conservatives over the Indiana Religious Freedom Restoration Act back in 2015 while he was still governor in order to play to acceptable liberal opinion, that should not be forgotten. Defunding the FBI is an argument that will be easily misconstrued, but what conservatives need from those who aspire to lead them, and Mike Pence is acting as if he wants to run for president in 2024, is clarity and strength when it comes to confronting the administrative state. The Mar-a-Lago raid provided even more evidence that Trump is right to endorse a plan to fundamentally reform so-called civil service because of its proven partisan corruption. That would call for making at least 50,000 employees with policy decision-making power to be appointed by the president rather than act as a permanent, unelected, and unaccountable state within the state that assists Democrats and hinders Republicans, especially those like Trump or anyone like him who want to actually drain the D.C. swamp. Mike Pence is joining the chorus of leftist pundits carping at conservative critiques of the FBI isn't a matter of him not not kowtowing to Trump. Rather, it's a sign that he cannot be trusted to effectively fight the left and the deep state that is determined to label all those who push back against the Biden-Garland war on dissent as criminals or potential terrorists. This is more proof that Mike Pence is someone who, though not lacking in personal virtue, doesn't know what time it is. Someone who is that clueless about this crisis can't lead Republicans in a struggle, not so much to save Trump as it is to rescue the republic from the leftist war on wrong think. That is Jonathan S. Tobin, senior contributor to The Federalist, article entitled Mike Pence is Wrong. DOJ and FBI rot spreads way deeper than Merrick Garland. So thank you, Jonathan S. Tobin. Appreciate that. But, you know, we've got to look at some more. This is part two 
of giving you all the information you're ever going to need to show that, yes, yes, the FBI is hopelessly, hopelessly corrupt beyond redemption. Now, I can never say that a human being, a single person, is beyond redemption. But I can certainly say that about a government entity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can and I will. So next we go to real clear investigations. Real clear investigations. Paul Sperry. Uh, This one was alarming. Not surprising, but alarming nonetheless. So the article is entitled... FBI unit leading Mar-a-Lago probe earlier ran discredited Trump-Russia investigation. Oh. Have you heard about this anywhere? Well, you know, it's my duty to bring it to you. The FBI division overseeing the investigation of former President Trump's handling of classified material at his Mar-a-Lago residence is also... A focus of special counsel John Durham's investigation of the Bureau's alleged abuses of power and political bias during its years-long Russiagate probe of Trump. The FBI's nine-hour, 30-agent raid of the former president's Florida estate is part of a counterintelligence case run out of Washington, not Miami, as has been widely reported according to FBI case documents and sources with knowledge of the matter. The Bureau's Counterintelligence Division led the 2016-2017 Russia collusion investigation of Trump, codenamed Crossfire Hurricane. Although the former head of Crossfire Hurricane, Peter Strzok, was fired after the disclosure of his vitriolic anti-Trump tweets, it probably should be anti-Trump texts, but anyway. Several members of his team remain working in the counterintelligence unit. The sources say even though they are under active investigation by both John Durham and the Bureau's disciplinary arm, the Office of Professional Responsibility. The FBI declined to respond to questions about any role they may be taking in the Mar-a-Lago case. In addition, a key member of the Crossfire Hurricane team, Supervisory Intelligence Analyst Brian Auten. As in, he oughtn't to be doing that. Has continued to be involved in politically sensitive investigations, including the ongoing federal probe of potentially incriminating content found on the abandoned laptop of Hunter Biden. According to recent correspondence between the Senate Judiciary Committee FBI Director Christopher Wray, FBI whistleblowers have alleged that Auten tried to falsely discredit derogatory evidence against Hunter Biden during the 2020 campaign by labeling it Russian disinformation and assessment 
that caused investigative activity to cease. Brian oughtn't be doing that, has been allowed to work on sensitive cases even though he's been under internal investigation for four years, since 2018. When Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz referred him for disciplinary review for his role in vetting a Hillary Clinton campaign-funded dossier used by the FBI to obtain a series of wiretap warrants to spy on former Trump campaign advisor Carter Page. Horowitz singled out Auten for cutting a number of corners in the verification process and even allowing information he knew to be incorrect slip into warrant affidavits and mislead the FISA court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court. Oh, this is just great. In congressional testimony this month, Christopher Wray confirmed that a number of former Crossfire Hurricane team members are still employed at the Bureau while undergoing disciplinary review. In the meantime, Wray has walled off the former Russiagate investigators only from participating in FISA wiretap applications, according to the sources. Yeah, he hasn't walled them off from much else. Besides that, yeah, I got the clip. North Carolina Center, uh, Tom Tillis. We played this uh, shortly after Ray's testimony a couple of weeks ago. Tom Tillis and Christopher Ray's response. Can you give me an idea of anyone who's been held accountable uh, who was involved in Crossfire Hurricane investigation? What specific actions, if any, have been taken? Well, we've taken a whole slew of actions in response to the Crossfire Hurricane report. I think over 40 plus corrective measures and Has so forth. Has anybody in the bureau? There are a number of disciplined. There are a number of people who are currently in uh, our what we call Office of Professional Responsibility, which is our disciplinary arm. Uh, you may wonder. Why has that not yielded its results yet? And that's because we are working closely with cooperating closely with and assisting the Durham investigation. And so that whole process, which is not unusual, uh, has been sort of slowed down to make sure that it doesn't interfere with the Durham investigation. Yeah, whatever. Back to Paul Sperry's column, Real Clear Investigation, Senator Chuck Grassley. Ranking Republican on the Senate Judiciary Committee has asked Chris Ray for copies of recent case files and reports generated by Brian Auten be doing that, and whether he's included among the team the FBI has assembled to determine which of the seized Trump records fall within the scope of its counterespionage investigation and which fall outside of it. Some former FBI officials worry that Auten a top bureau expert on Russia and nuclear warfare, will have a hand in analyzing the boxes of documents agents seized from Trump's home on August 8th to help determine if any of the alleged top-secret material he kept there might have been compromised, potentially putting national security at risk. 27-year FBI veteran Michael Biasello said, it is a disgrace that Auten is still even employed by the Bureau. I would substitute other analysts and agents. An examination 
of the Bureau agents involved in the Mar-a-Lago raid reveals other connections between them and FBI officials who played key roles in advancing the Russiagate hoax. Sources told Real, Real Clear Investigations that Jay Bratt, the top counterintelligence official in DOJ's National Security Division, who happens to be a Democrat National Committee donor, has been coordinating the Mar-a-Lago investigation with Alan Kohler, who heads the FBI's counterintelligence division. Now, Kohler replaced Bill Priestap in that post after Priestap stepped down from the Bureau amid criticism of his role in the Russiagate probe. Kohler had worked at FBI headquarters under Priestap, specializing in countering Russian intelligence threats. Before that, he worked in London as the FBI's liaison with British intelligence and law enforcement. The sources say Kohler was close to Stefan Halper, an academic and longtime FBI contractor whom the Bureau ran as an informant in a failed effort to suborn Trump campaign officials. He also worked closely with Stephen Soma, a lead case agent in the Crossfire Hurricane probe, whom Horowitz said was primarily responsible for some of the worst misconduct in the FISA warrant abuse scandal. Stephen Soma is a counterintelligence investigator in the FBI's New York field office, where he has been reassigned to the China desk. Oh, yeah, he can't possibly do any uh, do any harm there, right? Right? This is nuts. In 2019, Kohler was promoted to special agent in charge of the counterintelligence division of the FBI's Washington field office, where he worked alongside then-assistant agent in charge, Timothy Tebow. Again, not the football player. This is T-H-I-B-A-U-L-T. Sounds the same. Who was reassigned by Christopher Ray just days prior to the Mar-a-Lago raid after whistleblowers raised questions about political bias. The whistleblowers asserted that Tebow, who has taken aim... At Trump and Republicans on social media worked with Auden to falsely discredit evidence of alleged money laundering and other activities against Hunter Biden and prevent agents from investigating them. Washington Field Office's counterintelligence division is now run by Anthony Reidlinger, who previously worked at FBI headquarters as a section chief under Priestap. Some of the agents involved in the raid on Trump's home came from that Washington field office, according to the sources in FBI case documents. Jay Bratt, top counterintelligence office official at uh, Justice, traveled to Mar-a-Lago in early June and personally inspected the storage facility while interacting with both Trump and one of his lawyers. Trump allowed the three FBI agents Bratt brought with him to open boxes in the storage room and look through them. They left with some documents. After leaving, Bratt made a request to Trump's lawyer for increased security at the facility and asked to see surveillance footage from the security cameras. The lawyer complied with the request. Months went by before the Justice Department took the politically explosive step of sending FBI agents unannounced to Trump's home, seizing documents, photos, and other items, not just from the storage facility, but from multiple rooms on the property, including the former president's office. Former Assistant FBI Director Chris Swecker said the search warrant 
that agents obtained is quite wide-ranging. He pointed out it authorized the seizure of any information in any form related to national defense information, which he said does not necessarily include classified material. Swecker now, former assistant FBI director, said this is a huge, broad search warrant and a huge, broad investigation leveled against the former president. What's more, he said the physical search of the former president's residence was far more sweeping than first reported and included unsupervised snooping in several dozen bedrooms as well as numerous storage rooms and closets, including those of the former first lady. FBI agents took numerous boxes and containers of documents and other material, including several binders of photos and even three passports held by the former president. Although Attorney General Merrick Garland has said the DOJ seeks to narrowly scope any search that is undertaken, details of the warrant reveal agents had the authority to seize entire boxes of records, including those potentially covered by attorney-client privilege and executive privilege, if just a single document inside the container was marked with some kind of classified marking. Agents were allowed to also seize any containers or boxes found together with ones containing classified papers. According to Attachment B, property, property to be seized of the warrant. In addition, the FBI agents were given the authority to confiscate any government and or presidential records created between January 20th, 2017 and January 20th, 2021, which covers Trump's full term in office. That meant they were able to take any item related to the Trump administration. All told, dozens of boxes and containers were removed from Trump's residence, very few of which actually contained classified information, according to the sources. According to the Federal Election Commission records, this Bratt fellow, Jay Bratt, has given exclusively to Democrats, including at least three hundred at least eight hundred dollars to the Democrat National Committee. The sources said he is close to David Lofman, whom he replaced as a top counterintelligence official at Justice. An Obama donor, David Lofman helped oversee the Russiagate probe, as well as the Clinton email case, which also involved classified information. A Senate investigator told Real Clear Investigations that Lofman was the mastermind behind the strategy to dust off and weaponize the rarely enforced statutory relic, the Foreign Agents Registration Act, against Trump campaign officials, a novel legal move that the investigator noted is similar to the department's current attempts to enforce the Presidential Records Act against Trump, which is a civil, not a criminal statute, by invoking the Espionage Act of 1917. Lofman signed off on the wiretapping of Trump campaign advisor Carter Page, which the Department of Justice, Inspector General, determined was conducted under false pretenses involving doctored email, suppression of exculpatory evidence, and other malfeasance. Suddenly resurfacing as a media surrogate for the Justice Department defending the Mar-a-Lago raid, Lofman 
has been a key source for stories by the Washington Post, the CNN, and other outlets. On CNN, for example, he claimed the documents seized from Trump's storage were particularly stunning and particularly egregious. And their discovery completely validates the government's investigation into the former president, though he quickly added whether the investigation transforms into an outright criminal prosecution remains to be seen. Now, Swecker, the former assistant director of the FBI, said there is strong reason to fear the FBI's counterintelligence division might politicize this case. Swecker said for sure the FBI has dug themselves into a huge hole because of how they handled the Clinton email case and the crossfire hurricane and Hunter Biden. I and many of my colleagues think they are treading on very thin ice here. He added, unfortunately, you can't recuse an entire FBI division. This is amazing. So, former federal prosecutor and Trump administration official Cash Patel said the FBI may have a personal interest and potential conflict in seizing the records stored by Trump. He noted that Trump in October 2020 authorized the declassification of all the investigative records generated from the FBI's crossfire hurricane as well as the Clinton as well as the Clinton email investigation codenamed Mid-Year Exam and he said that the FBI may have confident may have confiscated some of those records in its raid, ensuring they won't be made public. In addition, he said, the agency may be digging for other documents to try to justify retroactively their questionable, politically tinged 2016 opening of the Trump-Russia collusion case in the first place, which came up embarrassingly short on evidence. Cash Patel, who deposed... Crossfire Hurricane team members as a former House Intelligence Committee investigator said, tragically, the same FBI characters that were involved in Russiagate are the same counterintel guys running this so-called national security investigation against Trump. Patel noted that the Horowitz report indicated FBI analyst Brian Auten be doing that. He had exculpatory information about Trump's advisor, Carter Page, from other investigators and the FISA court, which should be more than enough to keep him at arm's length from the other investigations involving Trump. Cash Patel said, and to top it off, this guy admits to Horowitz's investigators he's unrepentant about his role in making up the biggest hoax in election history, and Christopher Wray still lets him be a supervisor, and the FBI is just insane. The Justice Department's National Security Division has ultimate authority over the grand jury probe of Trump for possible violations of the Espionage Act, including alleged mishandling of classified materials. The same statutes invoked in the Clinton email investigation In that case, in contrast, the FBI never searched the former Secretary of State's Chappaqua, New York mansion, 
where she set up an unsecured basement server to send and receive at least 110 classified emails, where she also received government documents by fax. Former FBI counterintelligence official and lawyer Mark Wauk said he is troubled by signs that the same cast of characters from the Russiagate scandal appear to be involved in the Mar-a-Lago investigation. He said in an interview, if these people who were part of a major hoax that involved criminal activity and displays of bias and seriously flawed judgment are still involved, then that's a major scandal. Indeed, it is a major scandal. And another major scandal, of course, is that um, at 5.23 a.m. Eastern, 4.23 a.m. Central, I'm running out of gas. So, we're going to have to do part three of the deep dive into the FBI's sordid history of dishonest dealings on the next edition of the Doc Washburn Show. You've been listening to episode 222 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempre of the 10th. And that's the way it is, Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022.